Before I begin this shir, I'd like to announce the publication of a new sefer, Derech HaMelech, which investigates Rashi's approach to halacha and Tami HaMitzvahs. It is available in stores or directly from the distributor, Im HaSefer, that's I-M and then HaSefer, H-A-S-E-F-E-R. They can be reached at 718-377-0047. Welcome. In this year on Parsha's Truma, I would like to attempt to, to, to attack, to, to analyze a Rashi comment which I find puzzling. Uh, whether at the end of the Shear we will, anyone will be able to say that I've solved all of the puzzles in this Rashi, I'm not sure. But I think it's time well spent to try to unravel this Rashi. Of course, Parshish, in Parshas Truma, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, commands Moshe Rabbeinu about how to build the Mishkan. And he begins by telling him how to make the Arena Kodesh, how to make the, the Shulchan, how to make the Menorah, how to make the, the various curtains on the sides and over the top, and, and how to make the walls, and how to make each and every part. And then, later on, after all of the different parts of the Mishkan have been described, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe how to arrange everything, where to put the Shulchan, where to put the Aron HaKadosh, etc. And we find the following Pasuk. You shall place the Shulchan, the table with the Lechem upon him, you shall place it outside the Paroiches. The Paroiches divides the, the main, slightly less holy part of the, of the Mishkan, from the innermost part which had the Oren, you will place the Shulchan outside that Paroiches, outside that curtain, v'yes ha-menorah noichach ha-shulchan, and the menorah you shall place across from the Shulchan, al-tzela ha-mishkan teimona, on the side of the Mishkan to the south, the menorah is on the south side, the shulchan titain al-tzela and the Shulchan you will place on the north side. Uh, if you will look at uh, diagrams of the, of the Mishkan, so if you're looking from, if you're standing at the entrance in the east and looking in towards the west, so uh, you would see on your left side, which is the south side, you would see the menorah, and on the north side, which is the right side, you would see the Shulchan. Let's see Rashi. V'sam shulchan and let's take note of this Dibur HaMaskel. You will place the Shulchan. So Rashi says, Shulchan B'Tzafayin. The Shulchan goes on the north side. Now, that in itself is a question. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to answer this question. But that in itself is really quite obvious. Shulchan B'Tzafayin. Yes, Shulchan B'Tzafayin. Because the end of the Pasuk says that the Shulchan you will place on the Tzel Tzafayin. So even the first couple of words of Rashi um, raise a question. Okay, Shulchan B'Tzafayin. The Shulchan goes on the north side. Mashuch min ha-kaisel ha-tzfayni shte'ameisumechsa. It is drawn, it is dr- pulled away from the wall, from the northern wall of the Mishkan, two and a half amas, meaning it doesn't stand right next to the wall, touching it, or just removed by a hair's breadth. No, it is two and a half amas away 
from the northern wall, towards the center. O menorah bedorim. The menorah is in the south, says Rashi. As, again, this seems to be obvious. But okay, Rashi says, O menorah bedorim. And the menorah also, similarly, was drawn away, was pulled away from the southern wall two and a half ames. The menorah did not stand directly next to the wall on the left-hand side, on the, so the southern wall, but rather it was two and a half ames put, pulled over towards the center. Okay. Okay. The Mizbeach Hazov, the golden altar, which is a small Mizbeach which was used exclusively for burning katiris, for burning incense. The bigger Mizbeach, which was made out of copper, was out in the yard. But Mizbeach Hazov, Nosun, it was placed, Keneged Avir Sheben Shulchan the Menorah. It was in the airspace that is between the Shulchan and the Menorah. You had the Shulchan on the right side and the menorah on the left side, and in between there's space, there's avir. That's where the, the Mizbeach Hazav was, in that space, in between the menorah and the shulchan. Moshuch kima klape hamizrach. But it was pulled a little bit towards the east. So you could walk directly from the shulchan to the menorah, you could walk across from north to south, you would not bump into the into the Mizbeach HaZahov. Mizbeach HaZahov is a little bit, would be a little bit in front of you, closer to the Parachas. Okay. V'chulam nesunim minchatsi hamishkan v'lifnim. All of these three items, the Shulchan, the Menorah, the Mizbeach HaZahov, were placed from half of the Mishkan inside, meaning they were on the inner half of the, of the space, on the half of the Mishkan that is closer to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Ketzad, how is this? Oirech HaMishkan menapesach lefaroiches esrim amad. The length of the Mishkan from the, from the entrance to the Faroiches, 20 amas. HaMizbeach v'yashulchan v'amenorah and the Mizbeach, the Shulchan and the Menorah, Meshuchim menapesach litzad marav. They were pulled, they were moved away from the door, from the entrance towards the west towards the Kodesh HaKadoshim, Eser Amis, by ten Amis. So if you would walk into that main chamber of the Mishkan, the first ten Amis going from east to west would be empty. In the next ten Amis, before you come to the Parochis, you would find three these three very important kalim. The Shulchan on the, on the north, on your left side, the Menorah would be our right side, and you'd have to walk another couple of steps till you would come to the Mizbeach HaZahov, which was lined up in between the Shulchan and the Menorah, but not interrupting between them. You could, you could take a walk directly from north to south, from Shulchan to Menorah. You would not trip over the Mizbeach HaZahov. It was pushed, Mizbeach HaZahov was pushed a little bit closer to the, um, to the Parochas. Okay. Well, <clears throat> sounds like a very Competent description. Rashi certainly have had his powers of description. But I have a lot of questions on this Rashi. Two of the questions we mentioned, I'm not even sure I'll be able to answer those two questions. Okay, maybe 
Why does Rashi say Shulchan B'Safain and Menorah B'Dorim? Isn't that in the Pasuk itself? All right, maybe just in order to, to be clear about what he's saying, he repeated those two facts. I'm not going to make too much out of those questions. But the big question I have is that there is a general principle, which we've discussed many times, that Rashi does not discuss halacha unless it is a halacha that is directly mentioned in the simple meaning of the Pasuk, or unless it is needed to bring in some halacha in order to understand the Pshutei Shulmikra. But Rashi, in his commentary on Chumash, is not writing a Shulchan Aruch. He is not writing a code of law. And he's even not writing descriptions of the Mishkan. He is explaining to us Pshutei Shulmikra. Now, in this Rashi comment that we just read, there are a number of points, I'm going to call them halachas, which do not derive, they are not stated in the simple meaning of the words in the Pasuk. And therefore we have to wonder, why does Rashi mention them? The first point that Rashi makes that is not directly in the Pasuk is that he says that the Shulchan was mashuch min He says that the Shulchan was pulled away from the northern wall by two and a half Amma. It does not apparently say that in this Pasuk. That's a very interesting point. Where does it say that in the Pasuk? If we look in the Gemara, the Gemara Mesechta Yuma, Daflamet Gimel Amit Beis, so there Rashi explains why this is so. Because he says, when the Kahanim came, they would come on Shabbos, and they would take away the old lechem upon them that had been sitting there for a week. And that would be eaten by the Kahanim. That would be divided up. And they would bring in the new lechem upon him, which would then sit there for another week. So Rashi says there had to be room for two Kahanim, one standing next to the other. Hamisadrin Two kahanim who would arrange the two arrangements of lechem upon him. The, the, the twelve lechem upon him were stacked up, six on this side and six on this side, two marochas, two arrangements of lechem upon him. So two kahanim would come in, and uh, Rashi says that there had to be room for two kahanim to stand between the northern wall and the Shulchan, in order to do this, this task of arranging the bread. So therefore, uh, the Shulchan was separated from the wall by two and a half Amis. Why they couldn't stand on the other side? Okay, that getting into a lot of technicalities there, but I'll believe, Rashi, that it was necessary to have some space in between the wall and the Shulchan so that the Kahanim could, could do their business there. That's very nice when you're learning Gemara. But it doesn't say that in the Pusik here. And so why is Rashi bringing it in? Why is Rashi introducing it to his comments on the Pusik? Similarly, Rashi continues, and he says regarding the menorah, that it was meshucha menakosel adremi, that it was pulled away from the southern wall, two and a half amais. Now here also, it doesn't say that in our Pusik. And if we go to that same piece of Gemara in Mesech de Yoma, Daflamid Gimel Amid Beis. So there Rashi says the following words regarding this halacha. Kemidas HaShulchan. 
In other words, it's just like the Shulchan, just like the Shulchan was pulled away from the northern wall two and a half Amis, <clears throat> so too the Menorah was pulled away from its wall on the southern side two and a half Amis. To Hoksiv, Rashi says, because it's written, it says that the Menorah should be, should be across from the Shulchan, as it says in our Pasuk, one on the side of the other. So, it's not 100% clear how this idea comes out from the words Neuchach HaShulchan. Um, I mean, the simple meaning of Neuchach HaShulchan is, is that the menorah is directly across from the Shulchan. How far it's going to be removed from the wall doesn't seem to be included in that Pusik. But Rashi in the Gemara seems to understand that it has to be lined up uh, proportionately, just like the shulchan is two and a half amas away from the wall on the side, so the menorah has to be two and a half amas away from the wall on its side. This does not seem to be something that is derived from the Pshuta Shulmikra, and therefore, again, we need to raise the question, why does Rashi mention it? A third thing that Rashi discusses here, he talks about where to put the Mizbeach HaZahav, and he tells us you put it in between the Shulchan and the Menorah, but you make sure it's not mafsik, you make sure it doesn't interrupt, because you push it a little bit forward towards the Mizrach, towards the, towards the Parochus and towards the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Now this is very difficult. The Mask of the David points out the question. The Mizbeach HaZahav is not mentioned in this whole Parsha of Truma. The Mizbeach HaZahav is not mentioned until the end of Parsha's Titzava. Now that's in and of itself a very interesting phenomenon, which Emir Sashem we will talk about later. But you, if you read through the entire Parsha's Truma, the Mizbeach HaZahav is not mentioned. So why would Rashi enter into a discussion now about where to put the Mizbeach HaZahav? It's not hasn't been mentioned at all, and it's not going to be mentioned in this Parsha. So that's a third, a third point that Rashi inserts here into his comment, which is not in the Pusik. And now we go to one more. One more item is, pardon me, one more item is that, well, it's not really a separate item. Why is it? The Gemara, the same Gemara in, in, in Yuma discusses why the, the Mizbeach HaZohav had to be pushed forward so that it's not in between, so that it's not mafsik between the Shulchan and the Menorah. And the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara asks Akashia, let us place the, the Mizbeach HaZohav directly in between the Shulchan and the Menorah. Why don't you do that? And the Gemara answers, Kivin Dixiv, since the Pasuk says you must place the menorah across from the Shulchan, so we require that the Shulchan and the menorah should see each other. There should be nothing in between. You should have a straight sight line in between the Shulchan and the menorah. So the Gemara is telling us why this has to be, that the Mizbeach HaZahav has to be pushed forward. But as I asked before, 
that's that's all fine as as far as a Gemara goes, but as far as a comment from Rashi on Chumash, it's strange that he would mention it here at all because we're not talking about the Mizbeach Hazahov here. We're not going to the Torah is not going to mention it <clears throat> until the end of the next parsha. And furthermore, it's not does not seem to be at all related to Rashi's Dibur Hamaskal, the Samta Esa Shulchan. Rashi seems to be discussing where you place the Shulchan. In general, Rashi says here a lot of things that, that don't seem to be related to his Dibur Hamaskal. He does tell you to put the Shulchan in the north. He tells you it should be two and a half Amas from the wall. Okay, good. That's related at least somewhat to the Dibur Hamaskal. But then he talks about exactly where to put the Menorah. That's not related to the Dibur Hamaskal. And then he talks about where to put the Mizbeach HaZahov. And that is not related to the Dibur Hamaskal. So altogether, this is a very puzzling Rashi comment. Before we move on to attempt to answer these questions, I, I forgot to mention one more question, one more thing that I find puzzling in this Rashi. Rashi Rashi's last point is that all of these items, the Shulchan, the Menorah, the Mizbeach HaZahov, were, on, were in the Chatzi HaMishkan Vilifnim. They were in the inner half of the main chamber of the Mishkan. It was uh, 20 Amis long. All of the, the first 10 Amis were empty, all of these items were in the next inner ten amis. Uh, this also does not seem to have a source in this pasuk, unless perhaps you say that the words michutz lafareiches. The pasuk says that you place the shulchan michutz lafareiches outside of the pareiches. Maybe you could say that that indicates that although these items were not behind the Parochus, they weren't in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, but perhaps that would indicate that they are somewhat close, closer to the Parochus. Because if they were in the outer half of this chamber of the Mishkan, maybe that wouldn't even be called Michutz the Parochus. I mean, it's like saying, I'm, uh, I'm sitting here in Brooklyn, and I'm Michutz the Beis HaMikdash. Well, I mean, I'm not even close. I'm not even, it, it, it's, it, it doesn't make sense to even say, I'm Michutz the Beis HaMikdash. So maybe if, the, if these items were in the outer half of the Mishkan, perhaps they would not have been referred to as being Michutz the Parochus. It's only because they were close to the Parochus that they are called Michutz the Parochus. Perhaps. But even so, uh, this, this point that all three of these items were in the inner half of the main chamber of the Mishkan, they do not seem to relate to Rashi's Dibur HaMaschil, which is Vesamta Esa Shulchan. I think that the a key to try to try to approach all of these questions is um, is pointed out by Maskil the David. Maskil the David writes that Rashi's main issue. The main thing that he is really aiming at in, in this whole long comment is the words, Neuchach HaShulchan, that the, that the menorah should be placed across from the Shulchan, which indicate that nothing should be in between the Shulchan and the, and the menorah. Now, that's problematic 
because Rashi knew that there's a Pasuk in Parshas Titzavah, there's a Pasuk in the end of Parshas Titzavah which says, Vinasata, O so, you shall place it, meaning you shall place the Mizbeach HaZohov, Lifnei HaParoiches, in front of the Paroiches, Asher Alaroin Hoedus, which is in front of the uh, the 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 Oran of the testimony, lifnei hachapoyres, and you shall place that mizbeach hazohov in front of the kapoyres, asher al haedus, which is upon the testimony, asher ivo edlochoshama, that I will meet with you there. Now, this pasuk is telling us where to put the mizbeach hazohov. It says you put it. Um, outside of the Parochus, in that same chamber where the Shulchan and Menorah are, and you shall place it lifnei ha-kapoiris. You place it in front of the Kapoiris. Now, the Kapoiris was the covering of the Aron HaKodesh. The Aron HaKodesh sat in the middle, as far as north and south goes. It was in the middle of the Kodesh HaKodeshim. So if you're placing the Mizbeach HaZahov across from or in front of the kapoiris, that means you're placing it in the middle of the of the area on the north-south axis. Now, the middle of the north-south axis, the middle of that the middle of that space going from north to south, just outside the paroiches, apparently is right in between the shulchan, which is on the north, and the menorah, which is on the south. So Rashi had a question. How could how could you put the how could the Torah say to put the Mizbeach Hazahov there? But our Pasik in Parshas Truma says that the shul, that the menorah has to be nochach shulchan. It has to be directly across from the shulchan with nothing in between. So the Maskele David says that was Rashi's main question. Our Pasik sounds like there cannot be any mafsik. There cannot be anything standing in between the Shulchan, and the Menorah. But the Pasuk in Tetzaveh seems to indicate that you would put, you're supposed to put the Mizbeach HaZahov in the place which is directly in between the Shulchan and the Menorah. To which Rashi answers, yes, the Mizbeach HaZahov was between the Shulchan and the Menorah, but it was pushed forward towards the Parochas. It's between them if you look, if you're looking at north and south. But when you look at east and west, it was a little farther to the east. Sort of like saying the tefillin go, they go between your eyes. Now, it doesn't go between your eyes down just above your nose. It's between your eyes farther up. So if you're looking from right to left, from your right eye to your left eye, where are the tefillin? Yes, they are in between. They're not directly above the right eye. They're not directly above the left eye. They're supposed to be in between, but farther up. So here also the Mizbeach HaZahov is, yes, it is in between the Shulchan and the Menorah, as is indicated by the Pasuk in Titzavah, but it's pushed forward. That's how Rashi answers the problem. As we'll see soon, this will help us answer a lot of our other questions. But before we go to that, uh, the, the, the comment of the Moscow, the David, has, it has its own problem. Because I have said many, many times that Rashi, when he's looking at a Pusik, if it makes sense, and if he has explained the words sufficiently, 
he does not worry about contradictions that may arise from later psukim. Now here we have, we're learning a Pesach. The Pesach is telling you, telling us that the Shulchan goes on the north side, the Menorah goes on the south side, and the words Neichach HaShulchan seem to indicate that there's nothing in between them. Very good. You're going to tell me, but there's a Pesach at the end of next week's Parsha that says, that's, that sounds like the, the Mizbeach HaZov was in between them. That's a question that Rashi should have saved for the end of next week's Parsha. He should have saved that for the end of Parsha's Titzava. That's not usually the kind of question that Rashi is dealing with, how to answer a contradiction between the present Pesach and a later Pesach. So, so what is the Maskele How could the Maskele David say that this is what Rashi was, was trying to explain? I think this problem we can solve as follows. Rashi's question on our Pesach is really as follows. The words... The words that say "Hamenoira Neichach Hashulchan" are actually seemingly superfluous. You could leave those words out, because the beginning, because the pasuk says that the shulchan was altselat safain. Says at the end of the pasuk, the shulchan was on the north side. The menorah was altsela hamishkan teimana. It was on the south side. So of course, yes. The Shulchan and the Menorah were one across from the other. The, the Menorah was across from the Shulchan. Why does the Pasuk have to say that explicitly? The Menorah must be across from the Shulchan. If this one's in the north and that's one on the south, and that one's on the south, of course they are across from each other. So on this, Rashi explains that the word Neichach does not just mean this one is across from that one. It means there was nothing in between this one and that one. Okay, uh, I can say that my house is across from my neighbor's house across the street, but there are cars in between and trees in between. There are plenty of things in between. We can still say, my house is nochach, my neighbor's house. That's, but, but Rashi's telling us these extra words, these seemingly extra words of hamenoira, Neichach HaShulchan are telling us that there's nothing in between the, the, the Menorah and the Shulchan. And then Rashi asks a question on himself. Could this be the Pshat? But doesn't it say in the end of Parshish Titzaveh that doesn't it seem like the Mizbeach HaZahov would be in between them? So Rashi says, no, it's not a problem because the Mizbeach HaZahov was pushed forward towards the Parachis. And therefore, it did not interrupt between the Shulchan and the Menorah. So here we have a different principle at work. The principle is, which I've said many times, when Rashi has a question on himself, on his own comment, he will bring in later Psukim, and he will bring in Gemaras and Midrashim and whatever he, and whatever he knows to, to, to answer the question, and he will spell it out explicitly. So here he has indicated that means there's nothing in between them, but he, but he has a problem with that interpretation because of a Pasuk in Titzavah, so he answers, yes, it's true that the, the Mizbeach HaZahav was in between these two items, but it was pushed forward. So it really, you could still see straight from the Shulchan to the Menorah. Now, now that we have uh, said that Rashi's main point 
is this this issue of the menorah being directly across from the shulchan with nothing with nothing in between, we can now understand perhaps that everything else Rashi says is only there to facilitate this point that there should that that there should be no hefsek between the shulchan and the menorah, and that that is the meaning of the words neichach shulchan as follows. Rashi tells us that between the Shulchan and the northern wall, there was a two and a half amma space, of empty space. And we asked, that does not seem to be hinted at, that does not seem to be part of the Pshuta Shulmikra. Yes, the Gemara gives a reason why it was so, but it doesn't say that in the Posik. Why does Rashi bring it in? I think we can say as follows. Because if the Shulchan was right smack in the middle of the north-south line, Imagine the shulchan was lined up so that you could go in a straight line from, from east to west and you would, you would hit the, the oran on the other side of the parochus. Or just slightly to the north of that line. Imagine if it was in the middle. So then, you wouldn't need a pusik to tell us that there should be nothing mafsik between the shulchan and the menorah. Because Either you're going to say that the Mizbeach Azov had to be closer to the Mizrach, and therefore it's not Mafsik, or you're going to say it must have been closer to the Mayrav, it must have been on the outside of the Shulchan and the Menorah, in which case it's not Mafsik. It can't possibly be Mafsik in between, because it also has to be lined up Lifnei HaKapoyrus, as we said, it has to be lined up in front of the Kapoiris, in front of the Aron HaKodesh, which is in the middle. If you're going to tell me that the Shulchan was also lined up over there, so then, Miman either way you look at it, the, the, the Mizbeach HaZahav is not going to be in between the Shulchan and the Menorah. It's either going to be closer to the east or it's going to be closer to the west. There will be no reason to have words in the Pasuk saying, HaMenorah Neichach HaShulchan, there's nothing in between them. Similarly, the second point that Rashi makes, that the menorah was removed from the wall on the north side by two and a half amas, we have the same point. If the menorah would have been right in the middle, or just, just to the south of the middle line, lined up straight in front of the kapiris, so again, the Mizbeach HaZahav has no chance of being mafsek between the menorah and the shulchan, because the Mizbeach HaZahav also has to be lined up right outside the Kapoiris. So it's either closer to the Parechus than the Menorah and the Shulchan, or it's farther back, it's farther away. It can't be in between. So there'd be no need for a Pasuk that says, Nechach HaShulchan. So Rashi brings in these two facts from that he found in the Gemara in order to, to facilitate, in order to make possible his point that the words HaMenorah Nechach HaShulchan mean that there should be nothing in between the Menorah and the Shulchan. And, and similarly, we can say, regarding the last point that Rashi makes, that all three of these kalim were mechetze hamishkan v'lifnim. They were all located on the inner half of this main chamber of the Mishkan. Why does he have to say that? Well, if you don't say that, if you entertain the possibility that let's say the Shulchan and the Menorah, they were on the inner half, but the Mizbeach of Azahav was outside. It was on the outside half of this main chamber. If you would imagine the Mishkan looked like that, 
then there's no, then there'd, again, there'd be no reason to have a Pasuk that says, Hamanoira Neichach HaShulchan, that then the Mizbeach HaZohav wouldn't be a problem. It's, it's farther out. So, or the, or the same thing if you'll say that the, that only the Mizbeach HaZohav was on the inner half of this chamber, but the Shulchan and the Menoira were on the outside. Well, then again, it's obvious that the, that the Mizbeach HaZohav is not between them. It's obvious that you have straight, unimpeded airspace between the Shulchan and the Menorah. So Rashi is saying, why did the Pasuk have to tell us three extra words, to tell us that there's nothing in between the Menorah and the Shulchan? It's only because all three of these Kalim occupied, occupied the same space. They were all Mechetzi HaMishkan Vilifnim. I think that's how we can understand all of these extra extraneous facts that Rashi brings into his discussion here. What is still not totally clear to me is how all of this relates to Rashi's Dibur Hamaschil, Visamta Esa Shulchan. The way I'm explaining it, it would seem that Rashi's Dibur Hamaschil should have been Hamanoira Neuchach HaShulchan. That's really the, the focal point. That's really the... That's really what it's all hinging on, not on the words v'samta esa shulchan. So I leave that as a tzorach ion on myself. No, no, Rashi, I, I, I trust that Rashi makes sense. I don't know if my explanation of Rashi fully answers all of the questions. One thing that we see from this Pasek and from the Rashi comment is that it is important that there be nothing in between the shulchan and the menorah. And the question is, why? Why is that so important? Uh, one possibility is discussed by Chizkuni, who says here that the menorah has to illuminate the shulchan. The reason there may not be anything in between the menorah and the shulchan is because the light of the menorah has to illuminate the shulchan. He doesn't explain it, but I think we can understand that the Menorah represents Torah, it re- represents Chachma, it, re- it represents Ruchnias, spirituality. The Shulchan represents Gashmias, it, it has bread, it represents sustenance. I mean, sustenance, staying alive is very important. And, it, and certainly when you're talking about the Shulchan, we're talking about a sustenance for the purpose of serving a Kaddish Baruch but still, it represents physical, um, physical plenty, physical sustenance, and, and and having sufficient physicality. And the the, the 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 lesson here is is that the menorah has to shine its light on the shulchan. The ruchnius has to illuminate, and it has to inspire the the Gashmias. And Chizkuni brings several sources uh, to this idea. He quotes a Pasuk in Parshas Baloischa, Perek Ches, Pasuk Beis, which says, El Mu'al Pnei HaMenoira, to the place that is across from the face of the Menorah, Yo'iru Shivasa Neiros, the seven lights of the Menorah shall shine. And the Chizkuni says, what does that mean, El Mu'al Pnei HaMenorah? 
that the lights will shine towards what is across from the menorah. Well, what's across from the menorah? What's across from the menorah is the shulchan. So the Pasuk is saying that the lights of the menorah must shine upon the shulchan. And therefore, nothing should be in between them. There is another Pasuk, which Chizkuni does not talk about, but Rashbam talks about it, right at the beginning, in, in earlier in Parshish Truma, when the Torah is, when Hashem is commanding Moshe Rabbeinu how to construct the menorah, the Pasuk says, seho, the, the Koyan will light the Neirois of the menorah, el ever paneho, and it will shine El Aver Paneho, to across from its face. What does that mean? It will shine towards across from its face. So Rashbam says that means Litzad Hashulchan. The lights of the menorah should shine towards that which is El Aver, to, towards that which is across from it. Again, meaning the Shulchan. So this could this idea could certainly explain why we find in, in our Pasik that the Torah is is very particular. That hashulchan neichach hashulchan neichach hamenorah. That the shulchan had to be directly across from the menorah. We can say that's in order that the lights of the menorah will illuminate the shulchan. One small problem: Rashi does not say like that. Rashi in in this uh, pasuk in Perik Hafei pasuk Lamed Zion, which we just quoted, the hela esneroseha. Rashi says a completely different shot, not like Rashbam. Rashi very famously says as follows. What does it mean that you should make the Nerois light up El Aver Paneho? Says Rashi, You should make the mouth, the tips of the six Nerois that are on the tops of the branches of the menorah, which are coming out from its sides, you should make the neiros that are on top of the branches misubin You should make them so that they are turning towards the middle of the menorah. You should tilt the wicks or perhaps uh, construct the cups in such a way. Which one it is, whether it's the wicks, the cups, I'm not going to go into that question now, but you should Make it so that the lights of the six kanim, of the six branches, will turn towards the middle of the menorah. In order that the neirois, when you will light them, they should illuminate towards their face, which means, says Rashi, musav oirom el tzad pnei so that their light should be turning towards the face of the Konoha Emsoi, of the middle branch of the menorah, Shehu Guf HaMenorah. That's, that's called the body, the main part of the menorah. So according to Rashi, the Torah doesn't say that the lights of the menorah should be pointing towards the Shulchan. There's no such Pasuk according to Rashi. The Pasuk says the lights of the menorah should all be facing towards the middle of the menorah. They should all be facing inward. And Rashi quotes the Gemara, which gives the reason for that. That's so people should not think that a Kodesh Baruch Hu needs, needs the light of the menorah in order to, to see. 
No, Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't need the lights of the menorah in, according, in order to see. Therefore, the lights are pushed towards the middle so that they don't spread their light very much. So, uh, to say, according to Rashi, that the reason that the Torah is particular, that the Shulchan should be right across from the menorah, and there should be nothing in between, is so that the menorah should light up the Shulchan, that, that doesn't go according to Rashi. Perhaps we can say, perhaps we can use here some comments by Svorno. Svorno has a very interesting approach to these matters. On our Pasuk, which tells us, you shall place the Shulchan outside the Paroiches, and that's on one side, and then on the other side is going to be the, the, the menorah. So the Svorno says the following words. I'm missing a word here, pardon me. After he has arranged the throne of Hashem, Bifnim, on the inside, he explains that the Arun HaKodesh represents the throne of Hashem, the Kisei HaKovit. After Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu where to put that, to put it in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, behind the Paroiches, then, Sider Lefanov, Chutz the Paroiches, then he arranged in front of that throne, but outside the curtain, Shulchan Umenoira. He arranged a table and a lamp. Haboim Lichvoid Yoshev Hakisei, which come for the glory and the honor of the one who is sitting on the throne. Kaviyochel, you have an important visitor who's going to stay in your home, so you, you, give him a, you give him a bed to sit on and to sleep on, you give him his, his place to sit, and you give him a shulchan and a menorah. We have a story in Sefer Malachim. Elisha used to visit the, the home of a certain woman. She gave him a, a, a place to sleep, and she gave him a shulchan and a menorah. These are like, okay, it's for his use. Here it's not for a practical use, but that's creating a little, a little home. So here we're creating a little home for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyachal. So he has his throne where he sits, and he has his shulchan, and he has his menorah. He goes on to explain why the menorah is on the, on the right side of the shechina, and the shulchan is on the left side. That's not for now. But the shechina sits on its throne in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and in order to make a nice home, we give HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyochel a shulchan and a menorah. That's what Sforno says here. So we see here that Shulchan and Menorah are a pair. They are both coming for this same purpose, to, to, create, a, to create a dwelling place for a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Now, so therefore we can understand there shouldn't be anything in between them. What is the function, when we're talking in these terms, what is the function of the Mizbeach HaZohov? So at the end of Parshas Titzaveh, where the Torah uh, introduces the Mizbeach HaZohov, so there's a somewhat long and very interesting comment by Svorna. We'll read at least part of it. First of all, he addresses the question, why isn't the Mizbeach HaZahav mentioned together with the other Kalim of the Mishkan in Parshish Truma? So he says as follows, The intent, 
the purpose of the Mizbeach HaZohov was not to cause HaKadosh Baruch Hu to rest amongst us in the, in the Mishkan, as it was by the other Kalim. The purpose of the other Kalim was to bring and to make a home for HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, amongst us in the Mishkan. In the Mishkan, as it says, I will dwell amongst them in the Mishkan. Now the Swarno says the purpose of the Mizbeach Hazav was also not to bring down the appearance, the vision of Hashem's glory into, the, into that house, into the Mishkan. Which was the purpose, which was the idea of the Korbonis. As it says, I will be known there, I will meet there with B'nai Yisrael, after they bring the appropriate korbanos. As it says, This is the thing that Hashem has commanded, you will do, which is referring there, this is in Parashish it's referring there to korbanos, and then the kvod Hashem will appear to you. But that's, that's a function of korbanos, to cause a Kaddish Baruch Hu to be nearer, to, to appear in the Mishkan. But he says that's not the function of the Mizbeach HaZahal. What is its function? Aval Hoya Inyin Zeha Mizbeach, the idea of this Mizbeach was, the Chabed Esakel Yisborach, to honor Hashem, Achrei Boo the Kabel Beratzain Avoidas Amoy, after he has come to accept with goodwill the service of his nation, the korbanos of the morning and of the evening. After HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a home in the, in, the, in the Mishkan. We have created a home. There's a place for him to sit, there's a shulchan, there's a menorah. And we bring korbanos which encourage him to come and appear in this home of his. What do we do after he comes? How do we acknowledge our excitement? How do we acknowledge this great event that a Kodesh Baruch Hu has come to accept our Kabbanas willingly, with goodwill? We, 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 we do so by lighting, by burning the Keturus. So this is something that we do after, Akadosh, after we have created a home for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and after HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, has blessed us, has honored us with a visit to his home, we then give him this offering of the Keturus. That's a completely different purpose than the pair of Shulchan and Menorah. Shulchan and Menorah, in a certain sense, Svarna was telling us, they serve a, a, a joint purpose. They serve, together with the Orain, to make a home for a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And therefore we can understand nothing should be in between them. What about the Mizbeach HaZahov? No, no, no. That, says the Svarno, is a completely different purpose. That's after a Kaddish Baruch Hu comes to this home, that's how we acknowledge, that's how we acknowledge it and honor his visit. In reviewing this year, it has come to my attention that I misspoke in a number of places, the Mizbeach HaZohov was pushed out, away from the Parochus, farther than the Shulchan and the Menorah. 
So if you would enter the main chamber of the Mishkan, you would first see the Mizbeach HaZahov, then you take another few steps, and you would come to the Shulchan and the Menorah. Although I said that incorrectly a number of times, it doesn't really change any of the main points of the Shir.